0: Hello, ladies and gentlemen, this is Tim Off, welcoming everybody to the dinner table. I'd like to welcome my special guest for today to to dinner, which I'll start in no particular order. I'll start with uh, John, who's otherwise known as The Blanc. He co-runs M- Monthly Mayhem and has 100% in games such as Mario and Rabbids, Kingdom Battle, Mario Odyssey, and Yoshi's Crafted World.
1: Yeah, wow. <laughs> of that research... Yeah, I mean, I I mostly run Monthly Mayhem, I would say, but yeah, no, that was fairly accurate.
0: <laughs> and speaking of co-hosting and co-running the uh, Monthly Mayhem, we have Drew, who's not only the co-host of Monthly Mayhem or co-runs Monthly Mayhem with John, but he also is a co-host for the Disney Guys Uncensored, which is an excellent podcast, I must say, that I love listening to, especially. To live vicariously through these guys for the disney stuff that i don't get to do awesome. <laughs> and speaking of disney guys and censor, we have another co-host from there which is what jason what podcast is this <laughs> <laughs> right it's they're taking over <laughs> no but i again you guys i love your show i love listening to you guys um and Especially the history you guys dig up and share with your audience, as well as when you do visit the parks, you get to sh- you share what you do there. So, like I said, I get to live vicariously through you guys. Uh, also, we have Nick. Uh, he's our our uh, currently our Nin Dad's chief reviewer as of late. He's been filling yeah. <laughs> with the reviews lately. And just thanks so much, Nick, for helping us catch up on a lot of those things that we just can't all do at once. So, much appreciated.
1: No problem. And just uh, Nick case... is Nick is the only one here who hasn't been on the Disney Guys, by the way. Oh,
0: That's
2: true. There's
0: <laughs> good have... reason
1: for that. I'd have a little to add, I think.
3: <laughs> Don't we all? <laughs>
0: <laughs> so with that, let's jump right into the appetizers before we get into the main dish. And today's appetizer is the question, what did you get for Christmas that you'd like to share, that you'd like to talk about, that you're just so giddy about? Drew, why don't you go ahead and lead us off? Uh, I, I got this
4: super cool shirt that you can see it. It's kind of like the retro NES Zelda shirt. Um, uh, more importantly, I got a new game to, to dig into, uh, Witcher 3, which I probably sunk maybe I don't know, eight hours into it so far. Um definitely cool I I can see all the the hype and and the talk about it um, definitely not a game to play around the kid that's for sure <laughs> right. but um, no you know it, it it's one of those games obviously it's a few years old but it, it definitely draws you in uh, every single person you talk to is voice voice acting which is amazing uh there's there's nobody that's not you know voice acted and they don't let you like skip ahead because they are voice acting it uh, it, yeah, it's a fun game. I'm not yeah. gonna, you know, say too much again because I'm only, you know, eight hours in.
0: But um, eight hours isn't too bad. <laughs> no,
2: you know, it's not too bad. I but i um, it's it's just scratching the surface. Scratching
0: it. It's just the the uh, the prologue or, something, or pre-show.
4: <laughs> yeah, so get- pretty much, pretty much. But um, yeah, I don't I don't need to get too much into it. it it's a fun game. Everyone kind of knows what it's about, and it's kind of what I'm excited to. Uh, dive into probably for the next two months i'd say really nice cool
0: anything else else? that stuck out Was it just
4: uh you know nothing crazy nothing crazy (laughs) we don't we don't do too much for each other as far as gifts all about the kids nowadays right once you have the kids it's like that's where all the presents go so
0: nothing too crazy how about you nick
3: yeah so uh well, I know this is just audio only, but uh, the headphones on my head, those were uh, I was pretty excited to get those, asked for those. Arctis three, Bluetooth. Um, so yeah. Uh, yeah, so I got those. I was pretty excited about that. <laughs> um, and then I also got the sweet purple and orange uh, Joy Cons. So those, were my nah,
1: those are my nice. two accessory things. They're the that best I got. colors. Nick, yeah. we're headphone we're headphone twins. Yep. There you go. Uh, yeah. Uh, I think we're triplets, triplets. actually
4: triplets. Yep. Uh, yeah. that's nowadays it's called a Truple.
1: artist threesome
0: yeah (laughs) awkward (laughs) nice john how about you
1: um yeah usually every year i like to get some kind of gadget this year there just wasn't a gadget i thought about a psvr i didn't ask for it um but yeah i got ukulele and the impossible layer um that's a game that i'm already playing and um
0: and you beat it already right (laughs)
1: <laughs> no, no. I'm going to beat it pretty quick because I, I do love it and I find myself to be a little addicted. I got, uh, my wife got me, because she's a big fan, Untitled Goose Game swag. I'm just going to hold it up to the camera here, but it's a set of stickers.
0: Oh, nice. From
1: Untitled Goose Game. I mean. And then, of course, you know, honk, honk, honk. honk.
0: Where are you going to put those stickers at?
1: Um, I don't know. I, I might put them on my laptop. They're stickers I definitely don't want to lose, so I'm not going to waste them.
0: Gotcha. Um, yeah.
1: I also got a uh, Untitled Goose Game shirt, which is just awesome. And, oh, that's cool. uh, And then I used some of my Christmas money. I got The Witcher 3 as well. Um, it was actually on sale. Perfect. I'm glad I didn't get it for Christmas. And um, I had some um, Amazon money, and uh, I didn't want it to get lost. So I bought The Stretchers. Oh. Uh, which I was kind of waiting for it to go on sale because I wasn't sure about it. But I was like, let me give Nintendo. It's a first-party Nintendo game. Uh, so I was like, "Let me give them my full money. If I'm going to give anybody my full money, it's Nintendo." Um, of course. So we played that today. The kids really liked it. Um, I thought it was pretty good. So uh, yeah, no, yeah, got some uh, got some good games to play.
0: Sweet. And Jason.
2: So, the game that I got that really I'm I'm looking forward to sinking time into is Jedi Fallen Order. Um, it, I'm excited about it because I was a huge fan of the Dark Forces series back in the, the late 90s, uh, which was it was Dark Forces Two Jedi Knight, then Jedi Outcast, and Jedi Academy. Um, but it it puts you in the shoes of a Jedi just after Order 66 was put into place, and you're going around trying to figure out, find your way, and hide while still trying to accomplish what you can and it it really does make you feel like you are a jedi and it's it's a lot of fun to play and i'm looking forward to sinking a bunch of hours into it
0: yeah i've got that one too i've mentioned that on the podcast that i've been putting some time into that and it's been a lot of time for me i don't get unfortunately i don't get as much time as some people do uh which would be nice but uh when i do get to play i spend a lot of time between that and luigi's mansion three, so, yeah. <laughs> so those are two I got to finish,
2: just mentioned myself. I'm only on floor 10.
0: Nice. Okay. yeah. Get going. yeah. Get going. I'm still behind that too. I got the floor too.
2: 10 and then Pokemon came in. I started on that one.
0: And I got Pokemon. Speaking of Christmas gifts, I got Pokemon for Christmas. I got Pokemon Shield mm-hmm. the rest, with the rest of the family. That was our family gift. And uh, the kids are already started tearing into it. My wife and I still are a little bit behind, so we have to start getting into it. The, the goal is to hopefully... Have family raids <laughs> when we get into it. Right. So it'll be kind of interesting to see if that happens. It's a great game. So, absolutely. Excellent. So, and just to remind everybody, anybody who's listening, especially any other Patreons um, members, if you want to join our our dinner table conversations, we try to do this once a month. This is the second one we've done. So, if you ever want to join, always just. send a message in in our discord or dm me on twitter and we'll make sure and get you invited in the next one Uh, i hope these guys are having fun and um and you can too (laughs) you can enjoy the appetizers and dinner and the dessert maybe later too
1: call ahead to make sure we know how much food to cook
0: that's right right, exactly (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) yeah all right So now that we've done the appetizer, let's move on to the main course, the main dish. And then, uh, after we're done with the main dish, we'll, we'll talk about the side dishes that you guys brought. First up, the main dish, which is the topic of the night, what game defined the decade for you and or for the industry. So I asked you guys this ahead of time. So hopefully you guys had enough time to think about it and you could have answered one or two of those or both. So, Nick, why don't you start us off, if you sure. don't mind. Sure. <laughs> um,
3: well, I kind of I, I DM'd you both. I think for the industry, kind of this, this decade was the battle royale genre, um, and that really, I think, is one of the defining things of, uh, in the video game industry in this decade. For me personally, um, it's Breath of the Wild. Uh, maybe not for the reason you would think. Because I had kind of fallen out of gaming with the Wii U, with the Wii U, and I know as many of us have, or a lot of people's story is. Um, and I was gonna pick up Breath of the Wild on the Wii U and just call it a day and maybe play it. I didn't really have any interest in playing the Switch at the time. I kind of just wrote it off. And then when I saw oh. Breath of the Wild, I thought, I think I if I when I saw that game, it was so epic. I thought if I'm gonna play that. I want to play it on the best system possible. And so I thought, okay, I'll pick up the Switch and just uh, and just see what it does, you know? And then I picked up the Switch and just totally fell in love with it like the moment I got it in my hands and it totally brought me back to Nintendo um, from like the Wii era where I kind of dropped off um, from it. So for me, that has kind of defined it. That game, for that reason, has been my defining moment.
0: Nice. So, anybody else have any I, g- comments for that, or um, want to interject I don't think you can
1: it? argue about Breath of the Wild, and I'll, I'll just add on mm-hmm. to what Nick said, um, is that I haven't played a lot of open world games, and Breath of the Wild was really like, the first huge game that I played, and I love that game. Like, I just played it, sure. it was like just a game, I could not stop playing it, and I've since Breath of the Wild, I've played Skyrim, I've played some Witcher 3, I've played Red Dead Redemption, um and, and nothing feels like Breath of the Wild. Like, it feels... It's so open um, and the Zelda games before that, especially Skyward Sword, were so hand-holdy and the thing that right. makes Breath of the Wild so amazing is how little it holds your hand. Um It's just... You just start off, you, you just go. And everything's so open and you can always see everything. And like I said, I've been playing Witcher 3 and one thing I noticed is how constricted the view is and it's a big big world but you don't see it all at once at least I haven't seen it yet Um, and games like Skyrim are more open too but you just can't traverse the mountains like you can in Breath of the Wild Red Dead Redemption I felt was very sparse there's not a lot to do in between all the towns there's not a lot to discover Um, everyone always has different opinions on that but that's how I feel Mm -hmm. Uh, but man Breath of the Wild is just amazing the way the music um, is just so quiet and just so perfect, um, yeah. It really is. It's an industry changer.
0: Yeah, for so, me, it was it was definitely one of those things where, like you said, it didn't handheld hold you, and there, I think that was the biggest complaint. Small in comparison to the game overall, but that was the biggest complaint a lot of people had was hey, uh, it's not telling me what to do. <laughs> you know, so. Uh, but one of the things I did enjoy too was the ability to look out into the distance and say. I'm going there, and mark it on the map, and then you just head that way. You know, however you could get there, whether you needed to climb something, go around something, or just find a way to get there. It was a lot. Of, it was a lot of fun to could do that. Mm-hmm.
2: Agreed.
4: And and Tib, now that you're on this topic, it's a good time because I wanted to bring it up. Where I told you a little bit offline, but you know, I don't have a particular game that I think over the last ten years that really changed my perception on game, and I'm not. I'm not one that, as a gamer, looks at game a game and says, Oh, that that changed the way I I I I want to play games or anything like that. But what I have thought about is it's kinda what John mentioned and you you mentioned kind of combining the two where I think in the last ten years we've seen this open world concept and really take off, right? So you think about if you're a PC gamer at all, you had these MMOs that go back forever and it was something that was always on the PC, right? The the, the the consoles couldn't handle that. And now we're we're finding out that we have these consoles that are pretty much almost as powerful as a PC, if not stronger, certain ones, right? That it, it's game-changing in the way where, you said it earlier, time is valuable, right? So you throw a game out there like Breath of the Wild, like Witcher 3, like Skyrim, which are all 100-hour games to hundreds of hours where we've all posted our you know hours per 2019 and yeah that's that's half or a third of some of our time so when you look at 12 months span it's like do i have time to play three games this year right if if i played those three games in 2019 that's it i'm done right so kind of like it, when you were hard. a kid <laughs> it's it's hard when you want to you, you see these games you're like those are awesome i want to try that but i don't i don't have the time to do that right um i mentioned it earlier you know the witcher 3 has voice acting and john and i talked about this as well is it's it's like a, a movie with cinematography you know you do this in breath of the wild you do it in witcher 3 i did it in dragon quest i'm more into it as a, a story being told than me playing a video game, you get wrapped into a story, which I don't think video games ever did that before, right? Video games are more. Let me push the buttons. Let me platform. Let me jump around. Let me do my thing. Now it's it's different. It's it's telling stories. They're co- they're costing as much as movies to be made, if not more. Um, it, I think the industry has just changed where it it is this massive games, and how do we control that, right? So so where do these people like us that go to work every day? We come home. We don't have the ability to play multiple times a day. How do we fit these games mixed in with all these other games that we love? Never mind multiple consoles. Um, I don't know about Nick. I know the other you other three guys all play outside Nintendo. I'm a Nintendo-only guy. That's all I have time for.
3: Um, I'm with you. I'm Nintendo-only, and I would have loved to pick up the PS4 bundle that they had going on um, mm-hmm. this Christmas, but, man, I would have never been able to play it, so I'm with you. Yeah.
4: Yeah, you know, it's crazy, but these games and, and to the Breath of the Wild point, Breath of the Wild does a great job at what it is. It's a Nintendo game, and like you said, you can get to point A to point B, but I think some of these other games are on a whole new level, and it's not good or bad. It's just different, right, with the interaction with other characters and all these side quests and things like that. Like I said, literally hundreds of hours into one video game um, we talk about our, our money, right? Value per video game. I always judge it by value per hour, right? Which we always say it could be funny or not, right? you have a 60 hour game for 60 bucks, you get a dollar an hour, right? But, um, you look at that concept and it's like, crap, I could buy one game that lasts me three months or I could buy one game that lasts me 15 hours. So, you know, it, 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 you gotta sometimes make those decisions, which, which is, which is tough. But, um, for me it's not one particular game it's the the game development of these massive open world games
0: that's just kind of suck you in yeah and to your point too about the time versus dollar type ratio i know there's been a lot of talk about that type of concept for some people break it down that way some people don't for me it's more like um 15 hours for me seems like 60 hours you know, sometimes because mm-hmm. it's like that. Fifteen hours is spread over. Like, if I go right. to how long to take how long to beat to find out how long that game is going to That's be. A thing? Yeah, it's a how long to beat dot <laughs> It's actually a thing. Yeah. So sometimes I'll go on there to get some information to find out how long is this going to, you know, on average, is this going to take to beat the main game or the story, mm-hmm. and if I see fifteen hours, you know to some that might be a short game for me. That's like okay, I can spend, I can find an hour or two here and there, and that'll be a couple weeks for me if, if I did it every day, you know. So yeah. Um. So it just depends on how that's spread out, and it seems like, for me, it's like I, I always wonder how in the world do some people complete these games in in like a couple days, where it, it seems like it's a short game, for me it's over two weeks, but then it's like people finish it in two days I take two weeks and it's like how do they do that <laughs> they
1: do, They don't have jobs Tim. they don't have jobs
0: <laughs> so um, but yeah I, I guess I'm going off on a tangent but uh, yeah but that's a good one um, Nick up, up for the um, Breath of the Wild and the Battle Royale um, so do you play any Battle Royale games yeah. I can't hear you Nick
3: I can hear you I can hear you fine Nick Okay.
0: Oh, now I can hear uh, you.
3: Okay. All right. I don't play any Battle Royale. Well, I I brought Kirby Clash, which is somewhat of a battle, which is like a, bat, a boss battler game. So I do play, do play some things like that. But the Battle Royale thing is another thing to add to what Drew was saying mm-hmm. about these long-term games that take tons of hours. That's I mean, most of these Battle Royale games are never-ending games, right? So you throw that into the mix this decade with... Also these single player um two three hundred hour games that you can play. And so yeah, it just you're right, Drew, that developers are really just trying to find out how can we keep you in our game the longest amount of time and, possible.
4: And it's it's almost like I get it, we just talked about the, the dollar value, but I almost don't want it. You know, I hate to say it, but I want myself a really good twenty hour game. Like Luigi's Mansion was kinda perfect. That like that's that's it give me the extras and the collectibles if i want but to for a 50 hours or 70 hours just to be the main storyline is it's a big commitment right drew aren't you playing
3: Dauntless right now
4: well we'll talk about that in a little bit john but...
0: <laughs>
3: <laughs> do, do we still have a two good do we still have a good two-person guild drew has anybody else joined that end dead <laughs> oh, yeah. you know I, I, I think that might be Fraud. it <laughs>
4: <laughs> See, because that's the problem. Man. Nobody, nobody can commit, right? And, and now right. that I have Witcher three, will I even go back to it? Yeah, I mean, I will. But yeah, uh, it, it's it's funny. I'll, I'm one of those guys. I like to play one game at a time, and it might be a bad habit, but I like to get wrapped get to into one thing, on that, right, until I finish it.
0: Yeah,
1: uh,
4: whether it's a ten hour game or a hundred hour game.
0: I like to do that too.
1: I, I'd like to bring something else here. Um, I know the the, the the Epic Games have sort of taken over and when the big games come out, you know, um, there we go with the big story, but uh, to me, in terms of the industry, game of the decade, I'll tell you, I'm a fan of uh, like, I don't know what you'd call them, time-scaling games? Games that where you can beat them, roll credits in maybe about 10 hours or so. Um But you can play for 20 hours, 40 hours, depending on what your goals are.
0: Hey, Sam. Hello. Hello. Hey, welcome to the dinner table.
5: (laughs) Sorry, I'm late. I got sucked into uh, last-minute board game stuff, and I had to finish.
0: No problem. You just missed the appetizer, so... Okay. (laughs) There's plenty to eat. Yeah, there's plenty to eat. We're just starting on the main dish, so... We are just talking about the uh, games that define the decade for you and or the industry. And that's what uh, John was just getting into there.
5: Cool. (laughs)
1: Um, So, so yeah, like a a game that scales in time. Like, I love a game where you can roll credits in 10 to 15 hours. um, But maybe you can complete a little bit more and maybe that takes you 30 hours. And a game that um, has really hard goals or achievements and things like that or DLC that comes later, um, especially if it's free... And then by the end of it, you've spent 60, 70 hours in, um, but you don't feel like you had to. It's not like a mm-hmm. game where, you know, maybe like The Witcher 3, where to get through it, it is going to take you 60 hours, where you, you'll look at how long to beat, and you go, oh, 60 hours, and you're immediately like, oh. So now every time you like accomplish something in the game early on, you're just mm-hmm. like, what's the, what's the point? Well, I, you know, right,
4: I and, it's 30, a turn- hours. and it's a turn-off, right, John? And, that, and I was just saying right, it to you. Right. You start a game like The Witcher 3, you know you're investing a long time where, I just told you this, I have to now learn the, the controllers, I have to learn how to craft, I have to learn how to do potions, I have to learn yeah. the battle system, I have to learn how to talk to people, how to run, how to... like. It's like, man, like I'm going to be 10 hours into this game before I even understand it, where I right. would have been done with a different game, so you got to know going into it, you have to fight through, and it was the same thing with Breath of the Wild, right? you had to understand the, the, the weapons breaking, and you had to understand... Right. How to make food at the campfire, and that you had to have recipes. You know, it takes time, so you have to know going into a game. You're not going to start to pit this game up and start understanding it all in five five hours. Yep. It's just yep. not. Where other
1: games, you're halfway done with it. You know, and it, and that's why I want to bring in in terms of a, a game that has changed the industry this decade um, is Celeste, and I'm going to say Celeste for a couple of reasons. Um, one, uh, it has shown what an indie game. Can do now um, we've had indie games before the 360 really kind of introduced them into the the console world but celeste competed for a game of the year award with huge games um, and it was crazy to see the 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 game awards and see all these big triple a multi-million dollar titles and then here's celeste literally from a company called matt makes games Um, and it was like about five people that made the games and he's like now since changed the name of the company, but it was like literally a guy, I was following the guy on Twitter for a year, um, as he's posting updates, like sitting in his room working on this game. But what makes Celeste so amazing is that it kind of broke the mold on what an indie game can be. And Celeste is a game where you can beat the game in like 15, 20 hours. It's a hard platformer. Um, and they give, they have an assist mode to make it easier. But what makes Celeste so incredible is it's done perfectly. It's executed perfectly by an indie developer. And it is a game that has amazing kind of retro graphics. It's sort of perfected it. And the storyline to this game, I, if you've never played this game, is so wonderful there, is, that there is a story. It's a game like Super Meat Boy, but Super Meat Boy never had a good story. Celeste has an amazing story. I mean, there's points in that where you are just laughing. There's characters that are just incredible. Um, but then, I, I mean, I can't tell you how many times during the game I cried. I would cry sometimes just hearing Madeline, who's the main character, talk. Uh, because they use kind of like a simlish language, but they really tweaked the, um, the notes on her voice. Like, when she was sad, you could hear it. When she was happy, you could hear it. Um, even the chat bubbles sometimes... Um, the characters would come out of their chat bubbles. It, w- it was just an incredible game. Uh, it was divided into seven chapters, and by the end, if you beat that game, especially if you didn't do any assists, when you beat that game, I don't know if anybody here has beaten that game. I'm sure somebody has. Yeah. You feel, I mean, the the feeling you feel when you finally beat that game, like lifting a bear off your shoulder. It's <laughs> like, wow, like I got to the top of this freaking mountain. That game was so hard and so satisfying. And then when you were done um, getting all the, strawberry, uh, the, the strawberries, you can go back and try to collect them all, get different endings. Um, then you can go back and try to get golden strawberries, which to me were insane. But like, it is amazing what an indie game can do now. And now we've seen, I mean, we've seen indie games like Cuphead, if you want to call that an indie game. Untitled Goose Game was absolutely incredible. Um, and the game that's winning uh, Disco Elysium or whatever, it's winning a lot of awards this year. So we're seeing every year now where indie games are competing for the best game of the year and um, I think Celeste sort of kind of brought that in and um, yeah, for that I'm going to say that's that's the industry changer of the decade.
0: Nice. Anybody want to uh, second I just,
3: that? Um, I, <laughs> yeah, I second that. I also would just like to say I think Celeste Uh, I don't know if it was the first one to do it, but maybe the first one I played, where the story was so important to them, they were okay to do those assist modes. It's kind of like what Nintendo does with just making things easier. You don't see that a lot in indie games. And for me, that might have been one of the first indie games that I can think of offhand that did that. That was like, we just want you to play this. It's okay, we'll give you some help if you need it.
1: And the assist mode was incredible there, because the first time you enable it, you actually get a screen of text that says... Um, this game has been tuned the way the developer intended for it. If by using assist mode, you are breaking how it was intended to be used, but go ahead. <laughs> but let it be known, this is not how we wanted the game to be. But here you go, because we know that some people just need it. My my wife and, and
4: I agree, John. It wasn't so. For me, I enjoyed Celeste. But it, it, and, and to your point with the indie stuff, I 100 percent agree. Where for me, that game really was so good because of the story and visual right the gameplay itself was okay it was nothing special to me but um to your point it shows that the indie guys can compete with those type of things to to attract it i think the bigger question here john is how many golden strawberries did you get one
1: i I did the first the first chapter that was it i think people are insane for going for.
4: well let me re-ask the question then mole sam how many stolen strawberries did you get
5: uh, I don't remember. It's been a while since I played the game. <laughs> I know I never did any of the B-sides, so I was definitely trying for it at the beginning, and I think that might be one of the reasons I didn't like the games much because they do become well, That's just, too much. Yeah,
4: I, I, I just went to enjoy it. I didn't really... And for, for
5: anyone who doesn't know, the Golden
1: Strawberries basically, we start a chapter, and a, and a, a chapter is broken up into a lot of different levels. They all connect. It's not like Super Meat Boy, where it's like one level is like on its own. Um and what happens when you want to collect the golden strawberries is you say, I'm going for the golden strawberries, and so when you start off, there's a golden strawberry sitting next to you. You grab it, and then you have to go all the way through the chapter, all of the levels, without dying. If you die one time, they send you back to the beginning, and you have to go through it again. So basically, you have to get through a chapter without dying, and I can't even describe to you how impossible that is for most worlds. Um You can do the first world, and then like it gets harder and harder, and by, by the end, I, I can't imagine getting through... 20 minutes of a chapter dying uh expectedly and then having to do it again um they're kind of insane but yeah there are b-sides which are basically cassette tapes you find in each level and then there are c-sides when you complete all the b-sides and they're even more insane they're usually only like three levels long but they are incredibly hard and those have golden strawberries so yeah there's so much you can do in that game
0: i'm just blown away by these topics by the way (laughs) so because actually (laughs) that was one of my topics or that was my comment for the industry uh of the impactful thing for the decade which was the indie games um industry itself (laughs) Uh, all all indie games that genre if you will i guess if you want to call it that just indie games coming in and being able to supplement those big AAA games, uh, and then even coming up to that level in a lot of cases, to me, was uh, very impactful uh, to the gaming interest industry. In fact, I thought it was so impactful that I think if it wasn't for indie games, I don't think the Switch would be as big as it is today. Uh, and, and even Xbox 360 I agree with that yeah so like even when they started doing it too it seemed like everybody who started courting indie indie games into their to supplement their libraries they should be thanking them for that so and I think a lot of people like even the Vita I think was a good indie machine for a while there um, so I think that that is definitely impactful to the industry and that was one of my picks
2: so the game that i picked is in my opinion it's it's both industry and personal for being extremely impactful it's a game that gets a lot of flack because of the content that in it is in it but depending on how you play you don't necessarily see that content the game i'm talking about is going to be grand theft auto 5 or grand theft auto online um you go through the storyline, and there's obviously a ton of language and a ton of violence, drug use, um, a lot of different stuff. Online is not quite as rough as the single player. Um, I can say most of the games that I play, once I beat them, I have a tendency not to go back because mentally it's just kind of, a, I beat it, I have nothing left to do, which is why I try to do a lot of the side quests While I'm playing the the main story, I have sunk well over 500 hours into Grand Theft Auto Online. (laughs) (laughs) Um, It's a fun game to play on your own. It's very sandbox, or it can be mission-driven depending on how you play. You can go in and just drive if you want to. You can go in and cause havoc and chaos with all the other players that are there. They've got missions you can run. They've got group missions you can run, which are your your heist style stuffs, um, and just the fact that they have perfected not only driving, walking, you know your your weapon systems, your clothing, going into different buildings. It's it was essentially it's the perfect storm of what you would expect in an open world game, and pretty much everything is been fine-tuned to perfection would you say the
1: online uh, did you like the online better or you know one of the, yes. the single player
2: okay absolutely love the online way better um i've got a couple of friends that for a long time every friday and saturday night we would get together around eight o'clock and we would start running missions together. It would be 2, 3 in the morning before we would stop. And we did that for several, several months um, until one of the guys ended up going to college. And we kind of just broke off and did our own thing for a while. But it's, it's one of those games that, especially if you've got a group of friends that have the ability to sit and play, even just not running missions and running around doing stuff individually some of the hijinks that you just happen to find yourself in can be absolutely hysterical
0: that's awesome this here's a good question for you would you double dip if it came to the switch
2: technically i've already doubled (laughs) it i've got well over 500 hours into pc okay and a buddy of mine i found out that he's got it on ps4 and i went back and bought it on ps4 and I've been playing with him on PS4, building up my character there.
0: Nice. So triple dip then.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah, absolutely. I probably would. Nice. I know a lot of people have been talking about that as a rumor that, you know, that would be something else, but you never know. You never know.
2: Yeah,
4: but they... <laughs> uh, the... I can already see the commercial. It's on no, the no, go. So you right. see somebody stealing
0: it out of... <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great one, great one. Does anybody else want to put uh, any feedback on that one?
4: I think it just goes kind of what we talked about already. Just yeah. another example: five hundred hours of right. You know, how do you have time for another game?
2: <laughs> and honestly, I'll be I'll be completely honest. I had no desire to ever play any Grand Theft Auto game ever. And like I said, a buddy of mine said, "Hey, we'll play together if you'll play with us," and I just fell in love with it.
0: Interesting. All right, Sam, what you got for us? Uh, are we talking industry
5: influence, or are we talking personal, like... Favorite? Either one.
0: Either one. Okay. Or both, if you've got both. <clears throat> so. Well, I
5: can throw both, because it's very different answers. Okay. Um, for the industry, I would I would go with the... What I would assume to a lot of people is an obvious pick, which is Fortnite. Yes. Uh, I'm not terribly fond of it, but, I mean, just looking at the... Um, the way they have really demonstrated how to do a game as service how to do you know, online updates and these you know live events and things like it, it really is they do it better than anyone else and they've kept it going and they've maintained that popularity when everybody said it's going to be dead and just you know a month's time it, they proved them wrong and Especially with the battle pass. I mean, we see laws being passed about loot boxes, and battle pass is the new loot box. And <laughs> I think most people are probably a little happy of that now. Versus loot boxes, at least, they're probably pretty happy about that. Um, so for the industry, I mean, that's a huge influence. Beyond just the battle royale, everybody trying to imitate that, because that, that hasn't really worked. I don't think that's really going to stick around. Um, But for a personal, I would say Splatoon. Uh, As a Nintendo fan, I mean, it's the biggest new Nintendo IP since Animal Crossing, or maybe even since, like, Pokemon, you could argue. Um, Especially you look at the numbers it pushes in Japan, and with it being, you know, who would have thought Nintendo would come out with a new IP on the Wii U, and it would be a multiplayer shooter, and (laughs) it would be as successful as, you know, I never thought I would care about a shooter but you know Nintendo basically reinvented a genre made their first new IP in a long time and you know it's it's just been wonderful it's one of my it's one of the three games that I think justified buying a Wii U uh, the other ones being Mario <laughs> Maker and uh, Super Smash Bros
0: yeah
5: and Bayonetta 2
1: <laughs> I I remember <laughs> Gotta throw I, it I just a lot of that I remember the first trailer for that one, and it was like, they had the song going, it was like, blah, 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 and it ends with like, splat, blah, 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 tune, you know? And I remember watching that ad over and over and over with my son, as we counted down the days till that game came out. We were so excited for it. And yeah, that game never disappointed. That, that's, you're, you're right, I mean, Splatoon and, and
5: like with that trailer, like, it's the only time I can remember seeing something that was 100% new. Mm-hmm. And not even really a hundred... Not all the way knowing even what it was, but knowing that I liked it. Because usually, you know, anything else, I'm like, I'm really skeptical. I'm like, oh, that's probably not going to work in actual gameplay. That's that's probably going to be broken, or, you know, people are going to find ways to abuse these mechanics, or, you know... I'm always usually really skeptical of new, innovative things. Because it usually never works the way you want it to. But Splatoon, I was like... I want this.
0: So the other side of that coin could be ARMS then, right? Well, ARMS is basically
5: the same thing. It just wasn't as successful. Right. And I I did think about ARMS as a runner-up. I, <laughs> I love ARMS. So uh, do I. It did not get the fair shake that it deserved, and I really hope we get an ARMS sequel. Yeah. The game has a lot more problems. I, I, I think they, they need to fine-tune it a little bit. And it also, in terms of Switch... Lived in Splatoon 2's shadow as soon as Splatoon Two came out. Yeah, I
0: think that's probably yeah. I think was it came out problem. like a month later. Yeah. yeah, it
5: had a month, and then I, I think Nintendo is a little
1: worried about like how Arms would would play, and obviously they wanted to get Splatoon
5: out as quickly. Oh, as they could. The it feels rushed because I don't think they wanted to delay it past Splatoon. Because I, it feels less like they did the Splatoon thing with bringing extra content. It feels like they just kind of got it out there and then released the rest of the content they needed after cuz it didn't really go have as long a tail on it and the game felt pretty thin at launch it felt like a complete game by the end but yeah i, I still have hope for arms i i want to see a sequel even arms 2 so to summarize <laughs> two
1: arms arms. arms is the game of the decade according to sam <laughs> <laughs> yeah
0: close it was close excellent excellent conversation guys and uh we can certainly always continue these and hopefully it'll spark some conversation in our discord channels as well um so i hope anybody who's listening would like to continue that conversation and and do that so um with that being said we got about 20 minutes left i like to try to keep our you know dinner meeting short (laughs) so Mm -hmm. uh or within an hour, and because we already have, you know, the Nintendo Dad Show that usually runs two hours, even though yesterday didn't. It was only an hour and fifteen minutes, so that was something. So we can make up for it, Tim. We can make, yeah, we can make up for that one, right? <laughs> so I want my money back. <laughs> <laughs> so now it's your guys's turn to uh, share your dishes that you guys brought. So, with that being said, uh, John, let's start with yours. You have, uh, well, go ahead and talk about your side dish there.
1: So, uh, yeah, I wanted to talk about a game that people don't really talk about. I think um, coming to the Switch as a port, um, it got a little overshadowed. Uh, I think this is the best value Switch game on the planet. Um, Nobody talks about it, and uh, I will fight for it uh, every single day. Um, So it is the Child of Light Valiant Hearts Dual Pack. Uh, came out nine months ago or so. That's so a physical, Child of right? Light a- yeah, and it's physical. Um, you can buy the game separately as well. Um, I did buy Child of Light digitally, and then it came out physical. Ah. Um, <laughs> but um, Child of Light and Valiant Hearts are both ports from previous systems. I actually had played Child of Light on my Vita. Um, I have a Vita, that, ha- and I have five games for it. Uh, I found the library to be really disappointing. Um, but Child of Light had heard some good things, and um, I cannot speak more about how amazing Child of Light is. So, Child of Light Valiant Hearts, each, each of those games is a top 20 game of all time for me. And they're on the same Switch cartridge, and it's $30 at Best Buy. I mean, please, get this game. <laughs> so, I'll talk about them both real quick, because I have two games here, and I'm kind of cheating, but... Um, To me, Child of Light is the perfect RPG. We talked about it earlier, a a game being about 15 hours is more ideal, and I I agree with you. 10 to 15 hours to beat a game with additional content is perfect for me. Child of Light is that. It's an RPG, it's about 12 to 15 hours or so. Um, It's built on the Ubisoft UbiArt framework, which is a framework that has had some of the Rayman games, uh, including Legends, um, and really just Child of Light and Valiant Hearts. It's hand-drawn art, and it was it was built by Ubisoft as a way to kind of get developers to build games without a lot of code. Um, so it's trying to be like a Unity engine or something. Um, but they haven't made a lot of games for it. They were going to make it publicly available like Unity, and they just never did. Um, but it's a story about a, a, a little girl named Aurora, um, and uh, she dies right in the beginning of the game. It's not a spoiler. Oh, she dies. Sounds like. And <laughs> she, she wakes up in this dream world called Lemuria and i am telling you this is the most beautiful game you've never seen graphics like this you've never heard music like this the, the music is just beautiful and sad and the graphics are amazing and the whole game all the dialogue the cutscenes are spoken in poem it's poetic and the first time they they you know start the game and you start hearing the first story and you hear this woman's voice telling you the story in a, like perfect poetic form i mean it just it gets right into you and you start as this little girl, and she has this sword that she can barely pick up, and when she fights an enemy, she like takes the sword, and she's like, Ugh! and then she holds it, like when she wins, she kind of holds it, and she can like barely get it over her head, <laughs> but then you watch her character evolve over time, and she meets these friends, and they all speak in poem, and it's just amazing. It has a great battle system. Um, if you've ever played Undertale, like uh, when you battle somebody, it's not just like a straight battle, it's almost like a game. And uh, this game has it has like a timeline and you see all the characters and their little avatars run across the timeline. Uh, and then it hits a point where... Um, it hits this red point where you can then decide what move you want to do. But then the timeline goes a little bit further. And if during that time you get hit, you're like, be sent back. And if you're fighting an enemy and they get into that timeline, into that red part, and you hit them, then they'll lose their turn. So it's very strategic, it's very fun, it's not a long game absolutely if you haven't played this game my god play it it's <laughs> amazing and then and then you get another game which is one of my favorite games of all time and it came out of nowhere i just decided to play it because i love child of light so much and i was like let me get valiant Heart." i didn't even know what it was it, valiant hearts is um a story slash puzzle game it's about world war one it actually is almost like a documentary of world war one there's like um, parts of this game where they explain to you how tanks were made. Like, I learned how tanks were made and what they were used for and stuff like that. Wow. But it's a puzzle game, uh, which, which is very varied. Um, you are like in trenches and whatever, and you have to do things. Like, oh, set the bomb in this trench, and you have to figure out your way through the tunnels and all that. And you get this like dog friend who helps you. And I am telling you, this game is about um, three different countries of like France and Germany. I can't remember the last one. But it's like uh, you know being pulled into the war, and how they're pulled away from their families.
0: Was it Poland?
1: And uh, I don't think so. I can't <laughs> remember what it was. Um, but like they get pulled, or maybe it's the United States. Um, but they get pulled away from their families, their lives together. And in one particular instance, um, I think it's like the uncle or the grandfather and the and the father, uh, the grandfather and like his son-in-law. John, actually, you're that's telling me. It, no, uh, the grandfather and the son-in-law are pulled into um, two different uh sides, France and Germany because of their heritage and they literally have to fight each other. Um it is I mean I played through the game, it's very emotional. It tells a great story. The puzzles are so much fun and so varied and you have this dog and they do these cutscenes and there's some action sequences and I am telling you like playing this game, it's about 10 hours too you play through this game. The ending of this game is the most soul-crushing, heart-wrenching thing you will ever see. I, I not only cried, I bawled to the end of this game. I bawled out loud. My family could hear me. It was so crushing.
0: You ugly cried? Um, it,
1: I mean, it was probably an ugly cry. But I am telling you, this game is amazing. Nobody talks about it. Uh, absolutely incredible game. Um, and to buy this two-pack is just... The biggest no-brainer in history. You, you'll absolutely love both games. They're just so beautifully done. Um, Ubisoft, uh, hats off to you. Uh, you're amazing. So uh, there you go. 25 hours, and you'll play two of the best games you'll ever play in your life.
0: Nice. Done. And when you sent me wow. that, I what you were going to be talking about. I, you reminded me of that because I saw it at Best Buy, and I immediately put it on my to-buy list. So yeah.
1: Oh, <laughs> uh, it's totally worth it. It's it's incredible.
0: Nice. All right. Next
4: up, Drew. Alright, so I wanted to talk about a game we kind of mentioned already, Dauntless. Uh, I know you guys talked a little bit on the show, but I wanted a little bit more because it, it, it's a pretty cool game where if, if you don't know what it is, think of uh, Monster Hunter uh, where you're, you're you're hunting very, very large monsters where a battle could take up to, you know 10 to, to 20 minutes and um, combine that idea with Fortnite, let's say, where um, you team up with other people. So it, it it starts. You have the central hub town where you can, uh, you know, you have your your blacksmith. You got potions that you can brew, weapons you can you can upgrade and buy, um, armor pieces you can upgrade and buy, and they all have different stats and whatnot. And um, you you do have the battle pass concept like you do in, in Fortnite, where you can you know for five bucks. I do like their battle Pass. I don't know what Fortnite is is, but uh, it's ninety days, which is kind of nice. Gives you a nice lengthy time to, to do it. Um, so you can you party up with uh, up to teams of four. So it's kind of cool where you're not really competing against each other. You're really on the same team. And um, you're going out to fight uh, behemoth or, or a monster, essentially. But what I really like about it is, is there's a lot of strategy where, depending on who you go fight, you want to make sure you have um, certain types of weapons and armor, right? So if you're fighting, for example, a fire monster, you want ice, um, weapons and fire armor right but but what's really cool is you start to learn the different monsters and there's a ton of them but it's almost like punch out if I had to compare it to something where you can learn the patterns and you can learn weaknesses kind of like the first time you guys ever punched bald bull in this in the stomach and he squeezed over and, and fell it's the same concept where if you're fighting a fire monster and he has like the, this, this fire sack that he sprays out fire on his arm. If you use a hammer, you can go kind of, if you hit enough times, you can kind of break it, and then they can't throw fire at you. So there, there's these little things where also if they're, same concept as Bullet Bill, if they're charging at you, you can actually, instead of dodging it, if you hit them directly in the head, they'll actually stagger and fall over. So it's cool where you can learn the different monsters and different concepts of them. And trying to find their weaknesses, so it's not just a hack and slash. Hack and slash isn't going to get anywhere. You will die, um, but it's a it's a fun, unique game with a different type of concept. It's straight where you can just try to log in, automatically join a team, and go fight for um, you know a few minutes. And if you guys are playing, Nick, right, we have a little guild out there, <laughs> <laughs> so um, come join the Nintendo Dads. I think is our name uh, guild. And uh, you could be part of it. it, it, it That's so it, awesome. it's a fun game. It's free to play, which is which is nice. Um, so it, I'm not gonna be like John. It's not the best game you've ever played, but uh, it's fun. It's entertaining, and it's easy just to pick up and put down. So
0: I really like the aspect of that game where you're doing co-op together to defeat a, a monster. Yeah. Kind of like a, I heard someone say like Monster Hunter Light. You know so. Uh, yeah. before so cross with the Fortnite thing of course well,
5: and as somebody who's played Monster Hunter World what sticks out to me is how much better it does online it's so much easier to find a group
0: that's good to hear
5: find, even if you don't have friends online just to get in on a hunt um, because that's something where even though World specifically was supposed to streamline things I don't think it went far enough because yeah. Monster Hunter has always been difficult to approach
0: right yeah and it's, i like how this helps with that approach and i also like how it's cross-platform so that anything that i do in on that i did on my pc and play mm-hmm. on my pc i can easily just pick Huge. it up on my switch or vice versa which is really cool so which yep. i did i actually started on the pc to get things going and get through that and then even though i haven't jumped into it on my switch yet i i wanted to get into that too so i i'll probably be giant joining that guild too soon yeah i mean there's
4: there's some things that i wish were a little bit better i mean the weapons are cool like i said you know different there's there's a variety of different weapons you can use um with also a variety of different like you said elements right so the thing that kind of sucks is if i spend all my money on a on an ice hammer and then i have to go fight you know an electric monster it's like well now I can't use the hammer I just spent all my gold on I have you know or else it's going to not be as strong so there's there's I I get it but it's just another thing I feel like there's a lot of well if you buy money you could maybe upgrade your hammer better so there's definitely some downfalls but um if you're just in there to kind of have fun enjoy yourself and go fight some monsters fun little game
0: yeah and Justin obviously I don't know if he's joined the guild yet but I know he's had a lot of fun with that game Cool, thanks for bringing that one. That's that one I I definitely like to hear about. So it's two in a row. I, I need to find time to play, <laughs> if I can for a second. Sure. Um,
3: I really I really love the fact too that uh, there's a co-op feature if you want it. Sometimes I don't feel like doing that, so I just fight like one of the lesser beasts, go in by myself, have some fun, beating it up. And there's actually you can some of the bounties are like picking up so many of the uh, of the the Flora, uh, fauna in the uh, in the world, and so you can go explore and pick some of that up, gain some uh, hunt pass points that way, and then just mm-hmm. go fight a lesser beast and do it all by yourself if you if you're just not in the mood to deal with uh, with like a hunt pack. And so sometimes I'm not in the mood to deal with a group of people and I just want to do it by myself. So that's an option if you want to do it. Or if you're into it, you fight a big beast that you definitely need three other people for, and uh, that'll definitely progress you a lot quicker. So yeah, I'm, I'm enjoying the game a
4: lot. And the cool part about that, Nick, is is that even if you're in a group of four, and let's say like one or two people drop out, which I like about this game, is the boss actually adapts to that, so it knows. So if you started with, let's just say, four people, the health is times four. As soon as one person drops out, like the health meter does drop to kind of correlate with how many people are in your party. So it's not like Oh crap, we lost a guy, we might as well just quit this hunt and start over. No, it will adapt, so it won't hit you as hard. It's not gonna have as much health and things like that. Definitely pretty cool.
0: That is cool. Very cool. Anybody else playing this game? Anybody? Anybody? <laughs> Echo, Echo. Guild of two. Guild of two. That's All right. right. We gotta work gotta on hop that. In some
5: time, but <laughs> I mean, it's it's one of those. Everything seems to be getting updates now, so yeah, it's mm-hmm. hard to make time for all of it at once.
0: Yep, that's what we were talking about earlier, right? Yeah. That time, the time factor. <laughs> Jason, it looks like you have on your side dish. You still got some more GTA for us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so
2: I, like I said, I know a lot, it gets a bad rap for content, and like I said, online is much more enjoyable, especially content-wise. You're going to get a lot of language and, you know, suggestive language as well. But for the most part...
0: So the kids should definitely it. be involved in this game, right? So. Right.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Um, but the like I said, I mentioned earlier that you've got different heists, which is like your co-op missions. Um, you've got... There's mainly as of right now, four or five different heists that you can run. Typically, they you're required to have at least four people in each of those heists, um, but there's um, like I said, there's also missions you can run on your own, or they did start implementing in some of the newer DLCs, which they've constantly got DLCs coming out. Um, that some of the missions can be run just one or two people as opposed to requiring to have four people in each of the heists the bigger missions of course they require four people but they've scaled it a little bit to where you can have just one or two people if you can do it on your own you can do it that way with just two people if you want um and there's so many different game modes in this um like i said you you've got a you can do actual race missions where it's just you and a bunch of people racing on both player-created and uh, Rockstar-created courses, and it can be pretty much anywhere within the world. Some of them go underwater. They've got a, a, a myriad of different vehicles you can purchase, as well as one different ones. It's it's crazy. Some of the levels that that players have created and how they pretty much match up to. Your rock star created race courses. It's crazy some of the people out there, the the courses they can come up with. Um, You've got your drug running missions. You've got just a a mission of (laughs) get from A to B in X amount of times. They've got... um, It's just lobby missions. Stuff of, okay, get in a plane, go as high as possible, and see how close you can get to the ground without killing yourself. (laughs) <laughs> it, it, there's just so much different content in the game. It's it's amazing how many different ways you can play it, and you'd never even see some of the I guess you could say R-rated content based on how you're playing.
0: Right.
1: So, Jay does like when you get the like end of year Sony email. Does it tell you like you've killed this many prostitutes this year?
2: <laughs> 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 Actually, we go on to uh rockstar social club online it will tell you you've killed this many cops you've killed uh um, <laughs> i tell you their, <laughs> you've stolen this many pounds of drugs you know next <laughs> on the disney only, guys <laughs> you had is this long you know i mean it's crazy some of the stats they have on there
4: you've been killed by character john blanco 700 times <laughs>
2: yes <laughs>
0: It's well, it's amazing how many copies this game has been sold to. So, there's got to be something said yes, about that.
2: This game is the absolute best-selling game in the history of video games. Mm-hmm. It's made more money than Star Wars and Marvel combined.
0: Yeah, it's something else.
2: It's it is cool. <laughs> if you look at like the the top-selling
1: games of all time, yeah, GTA is at the top. And then there's, like, a bunch of Nintendo games that are usually, like, pack-in titles, you know, so it's, like, always really unfair. But it's like, And then there's GTA, and it's, like,
2: Good smart you, marketing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's- I, I'll be honest, a lot of the money that it, it has made is from what they call their shark cards, where you can go in and pay, you know, say, $100 and get $8 million in-game currency. So there's a lot of pay-to-play, but at the same time, you can run missions and get that same amount of money in just a couple of days if you just put your nose to the grindstone and, and run your. Jay, mission.
0: time is money, my friends.
2: <laughs> yes. Pay that cash.
0: And uh, next up on Disney, De- uh, guys, it's going to be a discussion about uh, Disney purchasing Rockstar Games. So. Oh my god that'll be next up because it's making so much money that disney has to make more right so
2: i mean they've been purchasing uh, ips right and
0: left just to make money that way yes all right so next up we've got nick with mario kart monopoly Ooh.
3: yeah i thought i'd throw a curveball in there this uh this month um because i've been playing dauntless and ukulele and i thought well they've kind of been talked about so just the other day, we sat down with the family and uh, broke out. Somebody brought Mario Kart Monopoly, and uh, my kids, my kids don't really care for Monopoly. All in all, because they say it takes too long and the money's too complicated, and they just get frustrated and blah blah. And so, but Mario Kart Monopoly has taken the money out and has swapped it for coins, and so everything's pretty simple. Like, I think the most you, the most you have to pay for a property is four coins. So it's really easy for the kids to be like, all right, I just need four coins to buy this. It's not like $250 or something like that. And they've taken the, um, if you lose all your money, literally in the instructions, it says, it sounds like you're having a bad day. Just don't worry about it. And it's the end of your turn. So, and how you win is by, instead of like trying to knock somebody out by making them lose all their cash, um, when... When everybody has gone, well, not everybody, but when you go, when you pass go eight times, it doesn't have to be you particularly, but out of the four players, once go is passed eight times, each time you pass it, you trigger a race, and you win the race by rolling the die, and whoever gets the highest win, the highest roll, wins that race, and it's worth so many points and so many coins, and there's all kinds of different things. One of, um, and so once you pass it eight times, the game is over. So it's a much quicker version of Monopoly 2. Uh, I, I think it only took about an hour, and we were kind of learning the, the, the directions a little bit, so you could probably cut a little bit of time off of that as well. So you pass it eight times, and then once you're done, you just count the points, and all your properties are worth points, however many coins you have, those are worth points, and how many races you've won is worth points. And whoever has the most points wins. And I just I just noticed that my kids absolutely, they loved it. They were like, oh, I, they got it. They understood it. It wasn't taking a long time. Nobody was like, I'm out of money, and now I'm sad. Um, it was just like, it was—it just worked. It works really well. I When I sat down, I just thought it was going to be Monopoly with, like, Mario Kart parts. But they have uh, they've really moved stuff around to make it fun. And it seems like they've almost, they've done the Nintendo thing to make it easier for kids. Um, there's also, instead of rolling two, you roll two die, but only one of them moves you, and the other one has, like, has special abilities on it, like the lightning or green shell, blue shell, and depending on what you roll on that, that die, um, it gives you certain things that you get, you know, you might have, uh, somebody drop three coins or something like that, there's all kinds of different stuff. But, just the fact that if you're, if you're looking at it and you, you think that, if you had a version of Monopoly that was maybe a little bit easier to understand in the ways I explained, it might be something you want to look at because it's more than just Monopoly for
1: look, Mario Kart. And Nick, you, you bring up an interesting point because I think, I mean, like a lot of us grew up on Monopoly. It was like the the first like big board game. Most of the board games we played, shoot and ladders or whatever, ended quickly. But Monopoly took longer. But, like Monopoly has always been kind of broken because the problem is if you invite some friends over and you play Monopoly. And that game lasts like three hours and somebody gets bankrupted after one hour what do you do like you know you just sit there and you have nothing <laughs> to do. if you're playing like your, your siblings i mean they'll just go okay i'm gonna go to my room i'm done yeah
0: no you become the banker over. you're the banker now <laughs> Yeah, but,
1: like, monopoly is like i would never like we do board game nights with friends and we would never play monopoly because you know somebody exits the game and they could sit around for two hours and have nothing to do So I think that's good that you kind of like limit the playtime. I like that too. Um, Yeah, yeah, I mean, I think that does make it a lot better. It's like we're going to sit down and play Monopoly and it's going to take us 30 minutes. It's not going to take us potentially four hours and people are going to be bored to death. So I think that's a really cool feature.
0: That is very cool.
1: What do you,
4: what, uh, Nick, what do they have for like the player pieces? Are they actually Mario Karts?
1: Oh, yeah, they're
3: actually cars. Um, although the biggest complaint was that they don't roll. That was like, everybody's like, why do not the wheels actually work? Um, but it's, uh, oh, man, you're going to stretch me. I think uh, Mario, Yoshi, obviously Luigi, oh, and Princess Peach. I'm fairly certain those are the four.
2: And you can um, actually buy expansion characters to add oh, to
0: really? the game as well.
1: Is what is away from,
0: know, if you can find them. A of yeah.
1: Yeah. They're Everyone DLC characters. Are yeah, there you go. Yeah. Is is Waluigi included in this, or is absolutely Waluigi not? You can never find Waluigi.
2: You can make him
1: yourself. That's right.
4: I think Nick needs to hold a virtual Mario Kart monopoly on here. We can all play. Hey, there you go. I mean, he'll just roll the dice for us,
0: and we'll watch. Everybody just put it on their uh, phones. The the die roll on their phones
1: dinner table january right there There you go that's right (laughs) and then and then jay is going to carjack peach
3: (laughs) (laughs) no but literally it was so nintendo esque to have like at the table my grandmother who is like 84 has no idea what the second die does right she's like i rolled a blue shell i have no idea what the heck i just did but so we would just explain to her the ability and she was like all right i got three coins or you lose three coins and and then my five year old's like, all right, sweet. This is Mario. I I don't have any idea about the coins or the money or how that works, but I know that this is Mario. So I was just looking at the table, thinking this is this is definitely a Nintendo Monopoly that you can span this this age range.
0: And, That's cool. And Drew was just showing that you could just replace those little pieces with I the Hot Wheels have, pieces.
3: I all these guys, totally. And use
0: and those roll.
2: Yeah, <laughs> so there you, do you go. Roll
0: nice That that is something that um i've had my eye on as well that mario Kart, Kart monopoly um and what you explained there makes me 10 times more interested again something i'm gonna have to add to the list of things to buy so Tim, how
4: long is this list i know yeah. i know <laughs> you're in trouble i keep buying he stuff just
3: opens it up and cries i keep
4: buying <laughs> stuff and then new
0: stuff gets on there i don't know so all right sam you're gonna make me want to buy these games as well. You got you. You're bringing Breath of the, Breath of Fire one and two. Well, the good news is you don't have to buy them.
5: Again <laughs> that's right. They're on Nintendo Switch Online. Whew. If you already bought Nintendo Switch Online, you have access to both Sweet. of them through the Super Nintendo excellent uh, app. So uh, that's kind of what made them stand out to me. Um, I actually played the first Breath of Fire a long time ago. It was ported to the Game Boy Advance. And I don't think I even knew it was a port of a SNES game. I just got it as a gift or picked it up at a yard sale or something, and I played it, and I was like, this game's pretty weird, but okay. Um, so when I saw Breath of Fire, well, first when I saw Breath of Fire was on there, it stood out because it's like, Super Nintendo has a lot of, you know, classic RPGs on it. You know, Chrono Trigger, Final Fantasy, yep. Super Mario RPG, Earthbound—none of those are on Nintendo Switch Online. Right. Instead, we get Breath of Fire, <laughs> and that's not top in the list for anybody, but it's on the list. You know, it's it's, it's a series with some history. Um, it's produced by Capcom, and Breath of Fire 2 in particular is very interesting because uh, it is a legendarily bad English localization. (laughs) Um, So it's not, you know, all your base are belong to us level English, but it is, it shows. You know, there's a lot of spelling mistakes, a lot of grammar mistakes. Character names are pretty bad. Um, They get spelled differently in different points just because they didn't didn't standardize it, I guess, across the whole game. Um... There, but it is unintentionally hilarious at points um, my personal favorite is you get attacked by demons that are supposed to be you know, giving some kind of menacing growl but instead the in-game text renders this as bur. brr. <laughs> they're apparently very cold um, there's actually I don't know if you've ever heard of the site Legends of Localization but they have like a whole like tab of their site dedicated to Breath of Fire 2 <laughs> um, talking about because it's weird because it's very inconsistent because there are parts of it that are actually like really well translated like there's there's this circus you go to and there's a guy who tells you gives you riddles and they're actually like pretty well translated like they rhyme they make sense the, the answers even kind of make sense I mean it's always a toss up with riddles but uh
0: that was the guy they paid I, more yeah. the other people were interns well I,
5: I think it's a rush job <laughs> And the other mm, interesting true. part of that is that they actually got a lot of stuff past Nintendo's censors. evidently. Uh, maybe because it was poorly translated, but I mean, this was a game that came out at a time where, you know, you couldn't reference religion or death, and that's all over this game. It's it's very bizarre, you know, just as a historical curiosity, I think. But I think the game holds up pretty well. It's, it's very much an old-school RPG. I've been playing with a guide. There's no shame in that. These games <laughs> no don't shame. respect your time. They don't tell you where to go. Right. And when they tell you where to go, you miss out on secret stuff. Right. Um, so, you know, there's no shame in that. And one of the things that does stand out to me, too, is the animation. I mean, it's a, it's a 16-bit game. But the animation seems really good for that time period. Like, um, Even like in little details, like one of the first party members you get is like a, he's like a dog man and he has a crossbow and like his standard attack animation, he like cocks his head and aims his crossbow and fires and like his ears flop while he's doing that. Like there's just a lot of nice little details. Uh, One of my favorites is that uh, the merchants, every time you close out a shop menu, the little merchant like pulls out, I'm not sure if he's supposed to be counting coins, I mean it's a small sprite. He's either, like, counting the coins or he's, like, pulling out a little slide rule or something. And he, like, just, j- just you know, does that motion for a little bit and then he gives you a little okay. Uh, and it's just, you know, <laughs> you know, there's some nice little details there. Uh, it's it's worth checking out. And like I said, it's on Switch Online. If you've played the other great SNES RPGs or if all you have access to for the Super Nintendo library is that app, then uh, it's worth checking out. Uh
1: Nick, would you say is there an advantage to um, um, playing it on the the like having the rewind features and stuff like that?
5: Um, save states I have used because it allows me to ignore the presence of save points pretty much and just save wherever I want. So that's a big boon, I would say, and to have multiple save slots because without without that you really can't. The game allows you for three saves, but when you go to a dragon statue, which is how you save, it always just overwrites the one slot. It's only intended for you to, you know, if you had three people in your, on your console trying to play it.
1: Yeah, Sam, not
2: new.
5: but uh... um. I think it's better than the original SNES. One thing that I do miss from the Game Boy Advance port is that it had a run button that was not in the original, and that is not here. Hmm. Um, so that's a little sad. <laughs> I mean, I think I think the Nintendo
4: Online as a whole, John, is comfort when you pull out the old NES. It's like, oh man, please don't freeze! I'm I'm an hour in. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I think that alone is worth it for me.
1: Yeah, that's why I don't play my NES anymore. Yeah, I don't no. have that much problem as much on the Super Nintendo, but yeah, I've I've gone away from cartridges. Um, I do find like and and you know, obviously, Drew and I run Monthly Mayhem, and we don't really run contests in uh, the Virtual Console much anymore because now that you know you're competing for gift cards, uh, it, people can cheat, and so right. even if you didn't want to cheat, when you know other people can, when before it, when it was for pride, there was no point. But now it's like whoa, 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 whoa. There's like 15 bucks on the line here. I'm gonna cheat like crazy. <laughs> yeah. So, but when you're playing a game for yourself, Breath of the Fire, like I wonder if like there's this temptation to just constantly rewind and what that takes away from the game or what how to, if or if it helps you because there's got to be some games where that doesn't help you.
4: Kind of like John, you were the only one to ever beat Ghosts and Goblins. Wonder if you did a little rewind feature there. Oh, <laughs> well, he he dropped off. Oh, where'd he go? What was that question? He's like, oh, it What was that question?
5: One thing I wanted to bring up, too, with the translation, that is only Breath of Fire 2. The interesting thing is that for Breath of Fire 1, Capcom actually handed the localization off to Square. So you, if you boot up Breath of Fire 1, you will see Square in the credits. But they just translated stuff to English because Capcom wow. said, you know what? We make Mega Man. There's not a lot of text there. Um, there's not a lot of text in Street Fighter. We haven't done, you know, a big game with all this text before, so we're just going to pass it off to somebody who knows what they're doing. And Breath of Fire 2 shows you why that was the right move.
0: <laughs> well, you know how we were talking about how long to beat earlier? I just went to that site, howlongtobeat.com, and looked up Breath of Fire Two one and two. And it says it's uh thirty hours for the first game and forty one hours in the second game. Wow. And that's just the... that sounds about right. That's just about the main. in front of me. I know I'm only
5: halfway through. I have one party member left to recruit. Nice. Um
0: I I don't think I don't think any Super Nintendo games cross
5: oceans now.
1: (laughs) I don't think any Super Nintendo games went longer than that.
0: Yeah. It was uh Definitely getting your money's worth there, especially being free on uh, Nintendo Online stuff, right? Wow. SNES. Free with membership. Free with membership, yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Great, great stuff as always, guys. Thanks for bringing those side dishes. They tasted great. Thank you for sharing. <laughs> so with that, uh, we've actually gone a little bit over the hour I try to limit the dinner time to. Uh So, which means we kind of run out of time for dessert. But, I will leave it open for those who want to stay for dessert, if they have time. And that is to talk about Star Wars, The Rise of Skywalker. But, we won't do it on this show. I'll do it at a different show, where I'll stop this show, so that those who don't want to get spoiled, or those of us on this current show can leave and we can continue on and make it a separate bonus dessert show for the for our listeners uh so with that i want to say thank you all gentlemen for joining this part of the the show the dinner table show and again if any of you want to stay for dessert we'll talk about the rise of skywalker star wars movie and for those who don't thanks for coming
1: Yep, yeah, I'm full. Uh, thanks, Tim. Uh, I'm just going to loosen the belt buckle here and uh, step out for your Star Wars spoilers. So you'll have fun.
0: Thanks. And for those who are listening, we'll be stopping this show. And then, like I said, it'll be a separate recording for those who want to listen. So th- yes. thanks. Thank you, Tim, for hosting. Sure.
5: Yeah, thanks, Tim.
0: Yeah, thanks a lot. I'll say goodnight thanks. for this part. Hey, John.